You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. You are listening to episode number 87. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-host Adi Bulubasis. Just uh, just the two of us today, you know, just doing a little bit of a post game. I know it's late in Europe, but maybe if you've just finished watching the games in the Euros, you can come in and say hi. Uh, we're, we had a little bit of a, a rescheduling, as you might say. Um, we had some stuff planned with the Olympiakos World Forums. We had some uh, some old members of the forums, which, of course, Adi knows from back in his days on the Internet. Um, unfortunately, that's going to be rescheduled because we had some scheduling conflicts. These are folks from all over the world that we are trying to bring in, so it is difficult. But we'll have that for you, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, uh, we do have a little bit of Olympiakos transfer discussion, a little bit of Euros discussion, uh, still some things going on in the world of football. The first thing I do want to say is we do have a couple of uh, housekeeping points, as always. Olympiakos DC, we're getting the Olympiakos DC updates. 4-0 win against Germantown City FC, absolutely smacking these teams from Germantown, Maryland. Old haunts. I remember those days living in Maryland and now Olympiacos DC just killing them. Um, despite a slow start, the team is up to fourth place in their division. A win next week puts them in third, which is important for the playoffs. We're getting to that point of the season. Adi, give us the update. Have you been watching? Have you been keeping up with the team? It's looking good to me from what I can tell. I have, man. I mean, let me tell you, last five weeks, three wins, one draw, one loss. The boys are in top form, looking good, just getting into fourth place with this win. Next weekend is huge. Uh, it is uh, the game they're playing against, or the team they're playing against ha- is in third place. So if they win, they take the third place spot, uh, and then we'll see how it shakes out for playoffs. It looks like they have a chance uh, at a playoff spot. So we'll see what happens hoping for the best they're doing very well they definitely deserve it so guys check it out all the games are on replay by the way go to the olibiacosworld.com website check out their upsl tab all of their games are on replay via the mycujo app so check them out and the boys are playing very well that director there the coach uh philip wonk he is doing very well, and we're very excited for them. Hopefully, they do well, and we're excited to have them on the show once their season wraps up. Sounds like some binge-watching material to me. Catch some of those games if you've missed them. Get that that Olympiacos DC, see some players who uh, might find their way to the port in Piraeus before we know it. Either way, very exciting stuff, and best of luck to them uh, as the season continues on. A little bit of podcast news, just an update. 
Uh, we do have Boozing with the Boys, our third edition of Boozing with the Boys, the first off-season edition. We will, as always, be joined by George, our good friend and Boozing with the Boys correspondent. He will be coming on to talk Olympiacos with us this time next week, June 20th. Um, maybe an hour before this, we'll have a more specific time out on uh, on our socials. But either way, come in and say hi. We'll let you into the studio, give you a few minutes to say hi, and uh, it'll be a great time. We'll be we'll be boozing, as the title suggests. So a little bit of uh, off the rails, as they say, things getting a little bit informal. Um, so we are very excited about that. And then Adi, I think you have some news uh, for us about Ahepa. Uh, yes, guys, I talked about this last week on our last weekend episode, uh, but uh, I did a little shout out for Ahepa. For those of you that know the order of Ahepa, this is an organization of Greeks started in the U.S. when the KKK was coming after Greeks and lynching Greeks, doing you know uh, all the things you've heard about in history, and it became a secret organization for this to help better safe keep Greeks and help those live and live in peace. So now the KKK isn't coming really after us anymore, but AHEPA still is looking to defend Hellenism, not just in the US, but across the world. They do various things, both philanthropic and social, that you really should be a part of. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, check it out if you're interested in, you can DM me if you're in the US, I can tell you where to go to, who to reach out to. I am an AHEPA member myself, it's a lot of fun. And we're bringing about a youth revolution within AHEPA. Uh, AHEPA, there was always a joke that it was mainly old people that did it. Not anymore. Uh, there's young people joining it. We're having a blast uh, and doing a lot of great things for Greece to help protect Hellenism, defend Hellenism, and also support our fellow Greeks across the world. Adi, uh, you said you said we with young people there. You... you, you. Yeah. Oh, it's a we, my friend. It's we about a half a dozen of us just joined local chapter here in the DC metro area. You sure? It's uh, of not course, like, I'm in Baltimore. You sure it's not like young people? They are having fun. <laughs> Me, I'm I'm one of the old stereotypes that they. Uh, <laughs> is Mihali a member yet? Get more? Not yet. People? No, you want international? I think there is. I don't think there's an age limit. Or no, there is an age limit. I think oh. or an age an age cap or what have you age floor. Well, if, like if you are over the age limit, people uh, consider joining a HEPA, as Adi said, all sorts of great things to, to promote Hellenism across the world. Um, so definitely, definitely um, shout out to them. Additionally, another shout out, of course, to Piraeus International. Piraeus International has been helping Greeks ship to and from the motherland during COVID-19. Shipments to Greece are going out from Baltimore, Maryland, USA every month. Fill any large U-Haul box, 18 by 18 by 24. Send it to our friends in Baltimore, and it will be shipped to the Port of Piraeus for only 50 American dollars. Better yet, fill any large wardrobe box and send it for $100. Give them a call at 410-675-4696 or send an email to sales at piraeusintl.com. Now, Adi, the first thing on our agenda here is the Euros. So we've had, what, three days of Euros. Um, a whole lot of stuff happened. And first of all, I just want to say, like, I think the thing that has dominated the headlines is the Christian Eriksen situation. Um, we have to say, like, all our thoughts, all our prayers, all our energy is going to Christian and his family as he recovers. Like, 
I, I don't know. I, like that, having that live, I was sick to my stomach seeing some of that stuff. I, I don't really want to talk about those details too much, um, except yeah. obviously big shout out to the other da- the other Danish players, Simon Kiara in particular, to the referees, to the medical staff for literally saving a man's life. Um, incredibly, incredibly heroic behavior from all of those people on the pitch and all the staff. Um, just, just, just sickening to think of the fact that we almost lost uh, a wonderful young man and a father and that, you know, incredibly grateful that he gets to see his, his wife and kids again. Um, we are, we are very happy to hear that Christian is, is awake, is functioning. And, uh, we hope he can be back on the football pitch as soon as possible. Yeah, that was, I've never seen anything like that. I've heard, you know, you've read articles in the past, sometimes in like B divisions where somebody had a heart attack on the field, but I've never actually witnessed it. And let alone in an event like this, witness it on live TV across the world. That was terrifying. Uh, I mean, everybody that ran out there as quick as they did, they're all heroes. And we're so happy that Christian Erickson is stable and he is, he's doing well. I hope that this is one of those things. It's a once that event you see once and in your life and you never have to see again uh, because you really hate to see just somebody that's out there, a, a soccer player or a football player that's out there for our entertainment and him stepping on the field. And it could be his last moment with something like that. So I'm happy he's okay. And I hope I sincerely hope that we never see anything like that again. I initially was very upset when they did decide to continue the game that day. Uh, I thought for sure they were going to cancel all the games, especially that game, and replay it another day. Uh, but then it, it, it became known to us that UEFA actually, when they spoke to the Danish team, and they basically gave them a choice. You can either finish the game today or you can play it tomorrow. And, you know, at the same time to finish the game out, And apparently the Danish players were like, look, if we have to sit on this overnight and still get ready for a game, it's going to be worse. So they decided just to finish it and get it over with. I I mean, but you could tell that they weren't the same when they came out on the field. Definitely. I mean, I watched watched the game and the rest of the game, and I was like, these guys, they're somewhere else. No, and you can't blame them for that. Like, how can you not be thinking about, about your teammate at that point? I mean, Casper Schmeichel was in tears still yeah, when the game yeah. started. You know what I mean? I can't. I can't imagine. I can't even imagine no. that. Yeah, so. and I. I hope it never happens again. It's. It's really scary to me. Like as you said, Adi. You know, you hear about these things sometimes, but like, you know, this is probably the one of the biggest profile events where where this type of thing has happened. And I mean, I'm no doctor, right? Um, but you you have to wonder if this might be a call to action for some teams to start like conducting more thorough physicals on their players and seeing if they can identify like i don't know how predictable this would have been right but like um i know one example is uh this is like a completely random example but um there was this maryland basketball player at the university of maryland his name was jalen brantley and he played for for us for a couple years he transferred to a different school and of course you know as as adi might know like when you are playing at that high level, like you obviously get a physical and everything before you're allowed to play. So Brantley transferred to a different school and got a physical, and they actually found that he had basically a heart condition that would cause something like this to happen if he was exerting himself at a high level. And I mean, it's sad that he didn't get to play anymore. Um, it's fortunate that this he never had any sort of collapse when he was playing at Maryland, 
but like it, it, you know, things like that. It's like, I wonder if teams should start having more, uh, more of these thorough processes and especially like, you know, we might not be able to say for sure, but, um, if this is related to coronavirus, because I believe Erickson did have the disease a few months ago. Um, if this is related to coronavirus, more players than we might be aware of could be susceptible to this type of thing. Obviously it hasn't happened a lot, but, um, the last thing we want to see is anyone else having this and, and as horrible and unfortunate as this is, Christian Erickson is lucky to be alive on the part of, uh, such a great and quick response from his teammates. So like, we don't know if this happens again, if they're going to be as fortunate. So, um, I, I wonder what can be done. Maybe I'm just a person with no knowledge of medical things at all. And like, maybe nothing could have been done, but like, I wonder if we'll see that, uh, as a response from the teams as well, because like, I, I can't bear to have to experience that again. You know what I mean? Like it's that, that was just, there are no words to describe like what people were feeling when he was, when he was on the ground, like, uh, I, I, I would hope we never have to see it again. Yeah. That's actually a really good thing you bring up, Peter, because I was reading a few days ago, they were talking about uh, asymptomatic COVID patients uh, that they've been monitoring ever since they were released from the hospital, uh, you know, after their quarantines. And it was astonishing. It was like 20% of them are still suffering the effects of, uh, specifically like myocarditis, which is something that leads to something like this. And if that's the case with Christian Erickson, you know, I know that they say that you're supposed to very slowly get back into it, you know, and, and he's a Christian Erickson's a, a football player. You know what I mean? These guys are in the, the prime, prime physique, prime conditioning, you know what I mean? And for something like this to happen, it's definitely going to bear question if they do attribute it, because you know that people higher up are going to be looking at this and they're going to be, uh, the doctors are going to be discussing it. And if it's something that they attribute to those symptoms or the after effects of COVID, this is something that will definitely have see changes made with respect to medicals, with respect to the, um, we'll say the training and recovery of, co of soccer players that went through COVID for sure. Um, but, you know, knock on wood, hopefully we don't see this again. And, you know, football can just proceed like normal. And like you think about, I think about like Hassan, right? Um, he had a very rough get back from, from the disease, you know, like yeah. obviously they did seem to ex uh, exercise some caution with him, but like there are so many and like, there have been a lot of cases in the States as well of myocarditis from like a long time after people have recovered from the disease. And I, I think a lot of times it pops up in athletes because a athletes have their health scrutinized more uh, more often, you know, for these physicals and things that they need to get before the season. But also I think because, um, it might have to do something with exerting yourself at such a high level is going to sort of trigger that almost. So, um, yep. either way, you know, whatever can be done to keep people safe, even if it means players have to exercise caution or take some time off from the game, like it's better that to do that than, uh, you know, to have something like that happen again. But, um, yeah, that's, that's about all I have to say about that. Like, you know, hopefully everything is okay. Like uh, the, the biggest sigh of relief all time of all time, when I found out that he was, you know, woken up and could speak and, you know, like was, was, you know, there all there, I would say like, um, so that's, that's all good, uh, good news. And, you know, hopefully, as we said, he's back on the pitch soon, but I mean, you know, aside from that, we have had six Euros games uh, to get into um, three today, I, or, or is it seven games? Maybe I'm maybe miscounting, but either way, 
Um, we had Seven. Italy, Italy thrashing Turkey three uh, nil was the opening game. Um, Wait, before before we go into some of the games, though, I have to say because I wasn't I wasn't on the episode when you guys did some of the the like predictions, and I have to say some of the shouts, some of the like this Turkey team, the way Lambro talked up this Turkey team, you know what I mean? Like I and, them and it's fourth, not just man. him. Don't and talk not to me. Just, I'm, on, I'm, I'm just saying it's not just and it wasn't just Labro either. A lot of the a lot of pundits are, were calling them dark horses. I'm sorry. I did not see a team that looked like it was going to be a dark horse. You know what I mean? I see a team that tried to mimic and in Turkish media, they kept talking about like doing the Greece 2004 and it was a very poor imitation. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care how good of a season Yomaz had at Lille. There's no way he was doing he was carrying this Turkish team. And I have serious doubts as to what this Turkish team can do. I mean, people were laughing at Switzerland for drawing Wales, but that Swiss team was playing way better ball. You know what I mean? That Swiss team can play good ball. They actually have a pretty solid defense. And I'm not going to be surprised when Turkey does play Switzerland if they're dominated in possession and if Switzerland gets gets a result there, a, a comfortable result, because they, they play the second-best ball in that group. It, it well, has to be said. I, I one thing that I will say as well is, um, like I said, I predicted Turkey fourth. Let it be known. So if that happens, we have to we have to give a, a round of applause to me. Um, and I think it's a, a competitive group. To be fair, like there are a lot of there are teams that I would say are worse than Turkey in the competition. But I just think Turkey are the worst yes. team in the group. I would also say um, personally, uh, I said I picked France to win. I think Italy might be my second pick to win if France don't win. If that makes sense. Um, like they've been playing really good football. They have a lot of depth, a good combination of youth and experience in their team. So I actually think, I do think like to be fair to Turkey, not that I, you know, uh, and was as big on them as Nambro was. I think this Italian side is really strong. Um, I think they have yeah. potential to do really well. I think they're going to, they're not going to have much trouble winning that group. Uh, and I think they're going to make a run like, you know, and one thing as well, we have to mention, I know, you know, Germany and Portugal and France are in this, in this group and all of them could win. But um, statistically speaking, like one of those teams is going to finish third. One of them is going to finish second. You have a harder road in the bracket. You're more likely to get knocked out early if you have a second or third place finish in the group. Um, yeah. And additionally, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Adi, but four of the six third place teams go through and it's based on how many points each of those teams um, accrued, right? So... Um, like it might even be harder for the third place team in that death group to get enough points to even go through as a third place team because they have, uh, you know, they've dropped so many points playing Germany and France or whatever. Um, so I think Italy might actually be sort of a shout. I haven't really heard a lot of people saying it. A lot of people are saying France, obviously, Belgium, England, but I think Italy might have a shout to potentially go and, and do the do the win, as they say. Well, when I looked at the odds on Foxbet, uh, and before we go on with that thought, uh, uh, Petros Kumentakos here had a comment. Erickson in an Instagram post said something about energy drinks. Um, yeah, that's also entirely a possibility. I have been seeing a lot of stuff about energy drinks. As somebody who used to drink way too much Monster in his teenage slash early 20s, uh, yeah, you got to be careful about that stuff and how much of it you're drinking when you're drinking. But moving back on, I mean, Italy, for me, just watching how they've played the last year in some of the friendlies and 
uh, di- the different qualification campaigns. They've looked very good. The team is relatively young. I, I am a huge fan of that midfield. Uh, that 4-3-3 three, three were, they were playing, uh, that midfield of Locatelli, Jorginho, and Barella. I mean, first of all, Locatelli was getting a lot of shtick on social media because I guess he's not as he's not as like fancy with the ball at his feet, but he was doing most of the work off the ball. Well, let me uh, add as well, Marco Verratti is missing from that midfield right now, and I believe he's going to be back. Is that right? Yeah. So like that's what they said. That's that's like like I said, they have so much talent in this team. Yep. Verratti, I might say, is like he's he's incredible. I think he's an unsung top player in football right now. Um, they've got so much talent just strewn about the field, like Donnarumma and goal, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think I'm hard pressed to find a position where they're really weak and they've got depth. Yep. Like, I don't think people because they missed the World Cup, I don't think people are giving them enough of a shot. Uh, as they deserve, but they've got the group where they can pretty easily finish first, which gets them a good start in the knockouts. I think they can do it. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they won the tournament. Yeah, well, you know what the funny thing was? The betting lines on Fox Bet before the tournament started, before this game, right? You know, you had France up there. France, England, Belgium were all like your top. Italy was paying out at 2.25 or 2.5 to one and they were had like sixth or seventh and i i couldn't believe how how good the odds were so i put in a small bet myself uh for italy because at those odds i I just couldn't believe i couldn't believe that they had italy so low or at least below some of these teams portugal was uh, ahead of him. Oh, I love this right here from England Viper. Peter Thompson looks like Erickson in real life. Not going to lie. Everybody on this show has some type of doppelganger. Everyone calls me Socrati. There you go, Peter. Christian I'll Erickson. Take that, I'll take that. It's because of the my, the hair is not showing, I think. <laughs> but I'll take that. Um, I like it. I like I'm it. not Danish, though, is it? which is interesting. I'm not Danish at all. But I'll take I'll take that. I, I'd say that's a compliment. Um, but Going, but going on from that game, I mean, this Italian team definitely, for me, is a favorite to win. What I saw the first game, that first round from them, love it. I think they have what it takes. 100%. Like I said, my second team behind France. Elsewhere in that yep. group, uh, as we briefly mentioned, Switzerland and Wales drawing. Uh, that's a game I did not watch, but I, th- I know you did say Switzerland looked like the better team. I'm still, I still think Wales, I know they had a, a little run in the last Euro, maybe that's why, but... Um, I, I still think we might see them do something. And then um, we did mention fin- Finland ending up uh, scoring a goal against Denmark, which it's like, how can we, it's hard to analyze that game when Denmark are obviously very preoccupied in the second half. Um, I was, I was watching um, one of the, I forget which game it was one of the games this morning and the guest or the uh, announcer on that game was talking about like, Oh, so-and-so are the favorites, but um that didn't stop Finland from beating the favorites the other day. And it's like, did you really just say that? Like, obviously like (laughs) the betting lines didn't exactly account for what happened, but anyway, um, so Finland get the points. Uh, We'll see. I, I, I kind of picked Denmark as a dark horse to win the group. Actually. I don't know if you remember that Adi. It's hard to say what they're going to do now. Right. Like it's in a way, maybe I have an excuse if I don't get proven wrong, but I don't know. Uh, Maybe, maybe they rally together and win the group. Like we've seen crazier things happen. 
Look, they um, they were they were and not to say anything poorly against Finland, you know, one of our our favorite, you know, Fetanos, Finland. Great for them to win, but Denmark was the better team. I mean, they were even even after the break when they clearly were affected by it. They were still creating opportunities. Just to give you an idea with the stats because of course they've populated at this point. Finland had one shot the whole game. And that was the shot they scored off of. Uh, 0.39 XG. It was a, a legitimate, decent goal-scoring opportunity by uh, Poya Paulo, but 2.2, 2.2 XG for Denmark. They had 17 shots, five on target. The lion's share of possession. And Finland they missed didn't the penalty even as well, didn't they? Exactly. Yes, that's, they missed the that's penalty. Gonna, that's going to give you some XG, to be fair. But it, they did exactly. Miss the so I mean, Finland didn't even complete 200 passes. You know what I mean? Denmark was the clear team, but you throw this in the mix, you throw the issue with Christian Eriksen, and now I am going to take the stand or the belief that now that he's back, you know, maybe he doesn't play the rest of the tournament for his safety. I doubt he I plays. Know. I doubt. But he plays. maybe it's a rallying thing. Maybe his presence there, the fact that he's there, it rallies them to do something. Uh, mm-hmm. I could see that because they were. They were the Denmark was the better team uh, against Finland. And, you know, I mean, it's not like it's going to get any easier for them. Denmark still has to play against Russia, who was very toothless. I think they they could definitely take points from them 100 uh, percent. And then it comes up to Belgium. How are they going to do against Belgium? Because Belgium's clearly the, the best Belgium in this group. Good. Yeah. And they did look good against Russia. If this Belgian lineup, by the way, this Belgium lineup plays against Greece against our starting lineup that played against them in the friendly, we get massacred. I'm sorry. <laughs> did you did, did you see what they were doing to this Russian team? 3 nothing. Lukaku, oh. man. I mean, I know Lukaku played against Greece, but like when he's when he's in the When big you're moment, half speed. I, yeah. And I'm exactly. not like, and I don't. I'm not taking. I'm not taking away from that that result in the friendly. Obviously, like when you play the best, the the nation that's number one in the world. You know what I mean? Uh, it's you, you know, and you come out with a draw like that, you're obviously going to be happy. But I mean, I kept saying like, okay. I mean, I'm not impressed because look, look who we played against. It's you know, the, the they there was half of their not even half of the starting line. Yeah. And and look at the chances they had against Russia. It was not very dissimilar to the chances they had against Greece, but they put them away. In fact, some of those chances mirrored the chances. But, you know, Lukaku trying fancy things or missing a chance here and there, he put those chances away this time. But anyway, uh, you know, Belgium is definitely topping this group. And I still think Denmark is going to take second when it's I all think, done. I, I think uh... – I, I have a feeling we'll see the storybook, the storybook ending where, you know, Denmark maybe gets a little bit of a run, whether they win the group or not, you know, rallies right. around that. I think now that they've been given some time to like, like, you know, they're not sitting there worrying about whether he's alive or not, you know, and, and um, they're given some time to like sit on it and they're like, okay, we gotta, we gotta get back into this here. Um, but anyway, moving on to group C, two of the games today, including the one that just finished Austria beating Macedonia and what was a pretty uh, entertaining game in North Macedonia, I should say. Um, congratulations to Pendev for scoring Macedonia's first ever goal in a major tournament. But unfortunately, Austria come back and get the win. Uh, Marcel Sabitzer is a fantastic player, I have to say. 
Yep. Um, I think Austria, I, I, we were talking about this in the chat. I think they have, they have a lot of talent on their team. I would say, um, Boring. Their tactics, I would say, leave things to be desired. I, I said Boring. it a little bit nicely than you did. But Sabitzer and Alba are like elite players, and they just kind of saved it. Both of them yeah. with really nice assists. Like it was that was the game. They both of them produced wonder balls basically, and put it right where where the guys needed it to be. And then their their players finished. The finish on the first goal was really nice. Um, but that was it, right? Like you know yep. they've they've got some talent. They they can defend. Like their defenders are pretty skilled with the ball, but like tactically as i said like you know they didn't really do a whole lot well the 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 thing with me with austria was the lack of off ball movement was so I, I couldn't a team that actually has quite a few players that that are yeah. solid players playing for teams okay maybe they're playing in germany but still they're playing in a Decent top league, league. and and you know they have some good zabitzer you could see his visual frustration <laughs> when he would have the ball on that left side, he's standing there. He's, he's waiting, waiting for, for a runner, and everyone's yeah. just like standing, like, "Hey, you got it, buddy." I couldn't believe that. And yeah. you know, the funny thing is, uh, when Austria played against Greece in the friendly, it was the same. It was very similar, but Greece obviously, at the time, was attempting to play them a little bit more openly. And when there's a more open game, you can get away with a little bit less movement. But when a team is parking the bus, like North Macedonia, that off the ball movement has to happen to create passing lanes. Yeah. And if not for individual genius by Sabitzer, those cross field balls. Was, from, like, he's, he's a beautiful player. I have to say like he, he can play all over the pitch as well. He's, he's a big player. Like he could, he could probably get into most teams in Europe. I would say. Uh, absolutely and my two pet peeves with that game i had uh, just two things that bothered me uh up until the 70th minute like first of all so i understand i understand the when they go to the back three why uh david alaba is playing in the in the back three okay i understand you want somebody that's a ball player back there that you're gonna suppose you're supposed to give room to come forward with but you have two guys in sabitzer and david alaba that are clearly the most creative on the team there you know, um, pr prior to uh, Arnautovic that's com coming on. And you're, he wasn't getting forward. They weren't letting him get forward, but whether it was by design or maybe it was game flow, I, I'm beginning to believe it was design because game flow should have seen him come forward more. But mm -hmm. he he didn't. And you had Sabitzer taking, taking all of the creation duties, plus the poor guy is tracking back to cover the defense. Yeah, he's, he's got I mean, He was doing everything. And now, seventieth minute, David Alaba starts getting forward, and now all of a sudden, plays that beautiful things cross are happening. The left side plays a beautiful yeah. cross. Uh, well, uh, David Alaba actually played the yeah he played the cross for the second goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what um, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then okay, dude, who was the six seven giant <laughs> playing for Austria? This guy was the guy can't massive. move. Man. He can't move though, but he's like I, Peter I see Crouch. Literally, I see him in the field. Like, Crouch. who is this? Who is this Viking giant? This yeah. cross giant from the mythical lore, <laughs> Norse lore, that is here playing in this game. And they mentioned that he's like the tallest person the tallest to play in the Bundesliga player. Yeah, and crazy, but all useless, but crazy. I couldn't believe how big this guy was. And they didn't, they get, as much, they off, didn't get as many set pieces as they needed to to probably. Like, you know, uh, that's, if, if that's you need, if you have a guy like that, you need a set piece, and they like you know you can dictate that to some degree, right? Like you can yep. sort of play for set pieces, as they say, but yep. they didn't really do that. They kind of like they were just, if anything, they were just doing like the 
like bomb it up route one and hope that he heads it down from the keeper, but like it still wasn't even working that much. No, um, exactly. And yeah, Arnautovic comes on and scores. So um, maybe we'd see him start in the next game just based on that. Yeah, they, I mean, Austria had zero free kicks the whole game. So right. What yeah, are you going to do? Not gonna, you're not going to get set pieces. I, I mean, to be fair, maybe he helps on, on defense as well, marking guys. But then again, like it's not like Macedonia are getting a lot of set pieces either. Like they're not possessing that yep. much. So anyway, yeah, Austria, I would say, are the better team there. They get the points. Uh, this is an interesting group, I think. Um, the Netherlands do beat Ukraine, but my, what a fun game that was to watch. Ukraine down 2-0, absolutely pull it back, but then concede a late one, uh, and they unfortunately go down. But um, really, really interesting game. A really nice first half where no goals were scored, and then all the goals come in the second half. Um, really fun game. Ukraine, I think. Uh, I think Ukraine have an interesting team. They might compete uh, for second in this group, or they might even take the group, but we'll see. Uh, Netherlands, I'm still kind of not totally sold on. Um, I don't think they're going to make a deep run, if anything. And, you know, they've got the injuries that they're dealing with, but they do end up getting the the win. They're obviously still very threatening in attack. Uh, and Ukraine's goalkeeper can only do so much. The I think it was the last goal you could say was kind of his fault. But um, really interesting game there as well. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I mean, for me, this was the most entertaining game of the tournament so far. So far, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? The England-Croatia game was it was interesting. Uh, it was a low, you know, low-scoring affair. But Croatia didn't offer anything going forward. So, <laughs> if like, we're gonna talk it, about this game, like. God, can we talk about how England got the easiest group of all time? Like they literally well, we'll, just we'll get there. I was just com- oh, I was just comparing. Anyway, yeah. I was but just yeah, comparing. no, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, it's the but highest this, scoring affair we've had, right? So well, far. not just the highest scoring affair, the end-to-end action. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't expect that. Not from Ukraine, Netherlands, even Holland kind of exceeded my expectations because I am not, um, I am not a fan of the coach, right? Uh, I'm not a fan of uh, Frank DeBoer. Yeah. I'm not a fan. And, but, and I, cause he's just a boring coach. Let's be honest. But they came out today and and I felt like I was watching like the Holland of old, great, beautiful, open play, great pass and move. I mean, if not for the awful finish, like they could have three goals and just in the beginning between the stuff missed by Depay and dump freeze. And and uh, what did Costa call Dunk him? Donkhorst. Donk oh, <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. They're still looking for that like Van Persie esque guy up uh, top, but like the uh, midfield is is great. Uh, going back to the discussion for uh, Austria, RSP <laughs> Kajic, the tall guy, scored 16 Bundesliga goals for Stuttgart this season. Will probably end up at Dortmund after Haaland leaves. How many of well, those that's a were project. That's you or, know what I will I can look that up. Go to the wise scout. That, that's just I mean like like there. I said I mean surely this guy's gonna like bang in headers from a corner right? But like yeah. I didn't see it in open play. And also like um, I, I think also maybe a change of formation like having another striker. I don't know maybe it it seems like as the lone man up top he really struggled. Like obviously Austria I would say played like almost a positionless game and they had like a lot of very versatile players on the pitch, but like, he was just kind of like, he's not making his own goal basically, you know, and he wasn't getting those opportunities in the box by himself. 
he wasn't getting headers. He wasn't getting set pieces. He wasn't getting crosses. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that he scored. I'm not surprised he scored 16 Bundesliga goals, but maybe they just play a system that allows him to thrive more. Um, but I mean, uh, moving on, we have the one game from group D that we briefly alluded to um, England one Croatia zero. Uh, oh, my, my pick of England finishing third. God, it's uh they, oh man, this group, like Croatia, as much as I like respect them, we have to say they're a nothing team for this competition. And they're probably the second no. best team in this group. No. This is such a bad group. Like all these other groups are so much like these teams are just, I mean, maybe we haven't seen the Czechs or Scotland play, but like England getting a map to the knockout rounds. God damn it, man. Um, Croatia, Basically. like. Uh, you know, obviously had the run in 2018, but three years change a lot. Mandzukic retires. Perisic is three years older. Modric is three years older. Um, and Subasic retires as well. Although, you know, the goalkeeper wasn't really that involved today. Um, right. But like, I mean, it was just, Modric can't be relied on to do it all for 90 minutes of successive yeah. games in this competition. It he He played well today, obviously. I mean, he's a great midfielder. And they've got some other talented players in the midfield as well. But like the, it, it, nothing was happening for Croatia if he didn't touch the ball. He was the one playing the creative balls, um, doing things that the creative midfielder is supposed to do. But he's going to run out of gas. Like we have to say not, and it's not going to take that long. Like he is. No, he's 35. That's the hell old. Do you want him to do? That you is old. I mean? We have to say like, and he's obviously on the back of a full season of club football. Um, and he's going to play every minute of this tournament because they can't afford to, to not play him. Um, so yep. it's going to be a tough tournament for Croatia. Like Rebic was a nothing today. Kramaric was a nothing today. Oh, absolutely uh, nothing. That winger that came on the 20, the, the young kid for Wolfsburg number seven, I forget his name, but he, he looked like he could do something, but, Recolo. um, you know, he, uh, he didn't exactly, you know, get involved in goals. He was just kind of like looking good on the ball. Perisic, we obviously know what he can do, but um, I, I would say he's kind of a one-footed player, and you know he, he's not quick enough, I don't think, anymore to really be great on that wing. I, I, w- I would almost wonder about seeing him on the right side, letting him no. cut in, especially because um, Versalco was was getting forward a bit. Maybe maybe those two would link up a little bit better. But I mean, it wasn't going to happen for Croatia today. They they aren't really that threatening at all. Uh, as you said about Russia earlier, Adi toothless. Um, yep. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see with them. Yeah, the thing. So the thing for me with the and, and the reason I say because there were some people that said that the England Croatia game is the best game of the tournament so far. Uh, that's what I've seen on social media at, as of the end of that. And and here's why I say it's not. So first of all, let's go XG. Both of them were under one in XG. Both England and and Croatia. All right, and, and so Croatia's. It was very clear what Croatia's game plan was. the 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 game plan was for their midfield to dictate the pace of of this game. They were hoping that they would get on the ball, which it did. It was successful at times. Uh, it when it came to like possession, it wasn't all England. The first fifteen minutes or ten minutes, England, or I'd say it was like the first few minutes. It was Croatia. Then England had like a salvo of chances up until well you know like 15 20 a minute mark but then croatia the the midfield was winning the ball they were going in then uh you saw towards the end of the half it was pretty much mainly england even the start of the second half mainly england again until the goal then croatia started to kick it up a notch 
But their plan was for the midfield to dictate this game. And they have very, very good midfielders. Uh, you know, Brozovic is an, uh, he's an incredible midfielder, did incredible things for Inter Milan. Then, of course, Modric, uh, you, you can never leave Modric. Well. Uh, Modric and, and Kovacic, but, you know, Modric is aging out. He can't play the whole game at full speed. And But the, the thing is, if you could have a great midfield, you could have one of the best midfield units in the world, which are, you could argue Croatia, especially in the World Cup, you know, best midfield unit in the world. But if you don't have that, if you don't have that front three or the striker, the striking or the offensive scoring prowess to get you forward, Rebic is a nothing player. He's nothing. He has a very, very limited skill set. Croatia was successful when they had Mandzukic up there. That's a real goal scorer. Rebic isn't. And Perisic, guys, he was a cone. He was a traffic cone out there. <laughs> what the hell was the point? And Kramaric was not impressive either. This is like a, a bulk level winger. From what I gather, that's not his position. I think uh I think he Which is fair. You saw him I being that's a lot fair. More. It was almost like Montalos on the wing, you might say. Like that, you're you know what? That's the, a very, very fair point. But very either way, it's point. like why are you throwing him out there? Um yeah, exactly. maybe maybe Calvin even Phillips can, was amazing. Yeah, comment here. He was yeah. man of the match. Man of yep. the match for England. Yeah. Absolutely. Do it all midfielder. But there there were only three clear scoring chances the entire game. And by three clear scoring chances, I mean scoring chances were at least above 0.25 XG. The the Rebic whiff in the 65th minute, uh, and then there was the uh, the the Sterling goal, of course, was 0.32, and then the Harry Kane miss. Uh, I don't think it's the one where he collided Foden, with the corner. Foden hitting the crossbar wasn't 0.25 XG. Do you remember that no, early on not. in the game? Yes, it, it was not actually because think about it. It actually was, it was a tough far. it was a tough attempt to be fair, but he almost did score it. Yeah. No, so I yep. can see how from an XG perspective it wasn't. But it was 0.03. No, it was 0.03 because oh, wow. yeah. the so uh, and I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, that's that's interesting. But then when I look into it, you look at the 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 position he is. He's he's not quite 18 yards out, but he's got two defenders in front of him. He's on the opposite side of the ball. So he went far corner. So that's a harder that's a harder shot to make because he has to curl it in. Uh, so it actually wasn't as clear of an opportunity as many people think it was because of the angle he was at and the attempt that he tried. That's why it was only a .03. It wasn't really a clear goal scoring opportunity. Uh, the ones that were the Harry Kane where he collided with the post uh, that it, I just confirmed it was that, one. and then the Raheem Sterling goal. Those were the clearest opportunities. And I would like to point out that the Raheem Sterling goal was all from the back all on the back of the effort by by Phillips. The gorgeous run and play. Yeah, man. He is a lovely six, man. I mean, he's a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah. Um, fantastic, fantastic. And I thought Sterling had quite a good game today. Uh, you know, I know we were all freaking out about that starting lineup. He, he scored the goal that's going to be in the end what makes it for him. He was all right, besides still, a questionable lineup. I still can't believe... They've not. They've gone with Trippier left back. I think that was a yeah, interesting what? pick. Like well, I don't, I don't Luke know, Shaw man. was good. Ben Shilwell's good. Just won the goddamn Champions League. Trippier, what have what have you done? And uh, not at his position either, to be fair. But I think like I also think um, I guess a lot of people expected a back three. I want to say like Kyle Walker. I feel is a disrespected player. Um, yeah. I think I think Kyle Walker is actually one of the more underrated players 
Like all the talk about the England right backs, I think Kyle Walker might be the best of all of them. Yeah. Um, like, I think you mean Kafu, right? He look he looks like our Kafu, doesn't he? <laughs> Come on, you have to. I when they it. showed him, yeah. like he, as soon as he starts running, you're like, oh wait, this guy's actually moving a bit. It's definitely. I was like, like what is Kafu doing Kafu. on the field? What is what is our load, like, or our Kafu doing? Oh God, there? I don't understand. Nottingham Forest legend. But seriously though, like he's big. He can defend. He's quick. He gets forward. Yeah. Like. I actually think he's he's an underrated player, um, you know, but because what I thought they were going to do was I thought they were going to go three four three with Shaw and Walker with like Stones or something as the center backs. Right. And then you get to play like Reese James or whatever on the right and then like Chilwell or Saka or whatever on the left. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, um, England it worked, do get so, the win. My yeah. my prediction not looking good, but. We'll see. It's not over <laughs> Where's yet. Robert Blackbird? Where is that guy? Robert, I'm <laughs> guessing is not here, but waiting for him to here, troll you. We we appreciate you. But anyway, um, let's get into Olympiacos stuff for a bit. Uh, as we said, you know, transfer news has arrived. Like some of the stuff we talked about in the last episode, especially with the center backs, uh, we're hearing that it's becoming a bit more concrete, you might say. And then um there's also the stuff with Kasami as well that um, we we sort of got the inside scoop on. Um, yep. Sounds we pretty had, exciting, Adi. Yep. Now, look, it is ex- Now, there was that Nikolakopoulos uh, little announcement today, kind of putting the, let's say, the sprinklers on the fire here. You know, dampening, saying that it's not happening. Basil wants too much money. And Manola's not happening because... Uh, you know, he wants 4 billion a season and that's not going to happen in Greece. So listen, guys, the, as far as the Kasumi stuff, we got that on really good authority. Um, and Kasumi really wants to come back to this club. Uh, he loves the club. You know, everyone knows that he loves it here. He wants to come back. He's at the prime of his career. He's, you know, he's 29. Uh, he wants to be here. He wants to come back. He's trying to make this happen. So, like I said, we have it on good authority, not a Greek source. So a lot of people kept saying, oh, did you get this from Todeka or did you get it from this? No, this was a this was an outside source that we got this from a source that we trust very much. And so we're we're sticking with this. Uh, Nikola Kopoulos can say whatever he wants. He's been wrong plenty of times in the past. So I don't have much reason to trust what he's saying. Now, as far as the Manola thing, look, I understand maybe the wage demands, but he wants to come back. And if he wants to come back this bad, there's no way he would want to come back if he was asking the same money that he was making. Like, there's just no way. You know what I mean? So I also don't really believe that. Yeah. I mean, so a couple things for me. First of all, um, Kasami, if he does come in, that's a great signing. Like, we have to say that. I know a lot of times people come back to Olympiacos and it's like, oh, like, here we go. Like, he's just coming back to, like, come back. Like, Kevin Morales, you know, didn't have a great time when he came back. Yaya Toure, when he came back, like, at the end of his career was a disaster. Like, sometimes, you know, we say this, but, like, guys, don't forget, he's, he's what, 29, 30 years old? Like, he's he's still got good football in him, and he's playing some of the best football of his life in Switzerland right now. We don't even need the deep dive, I don't think. This is a, this is a no. huge signing to come in and play big minutes for our team in Europe. Uh, if it does go through. And so like, you know, we just have to say that as well. Like this is not, he, he's not yeah. just coming back for the vacation. Like he wants to come back for Europe. 
Um, so I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing him in red and white again. Ten goals a season the last two years. What midfielder have we ever mid- had yeah, that that's has crazy. ten goals? No, not he's he's playing you guys still pretty deep. Yeah, he's in great physical shape. He's doing very well. The move, look, the move to to Switzerland. As much as we were all sad to see it happen, it happened. And but you know what? He was better for it. He he got himself together. Really got back into shape. Looks good. Uh, come a question from Adi's P. Would you say it's a hundred percent done? Hundred percent done? No. Uh, I will say this because the the source that gave us this it was also uh, backed up by some other stuff that we've seen. Uh, the issue isn't on Kasami's end. Uh, so the, the, there's, it looks like the agreement, like if whatever's between him and the club is, is there, it's more the fee, the fee that Switzerland, the, the Swiss club Basel wants. Um, so if, if things, if these things are correct, it's not that like, it's not that the fee is like out of what we want to pay. It's around there. It's probably a question of installments, how many installments or what they can get the fee down to, um, that so I'd say it's probably if if that's the case it's like eighty five percent, you know what I mean? Because then you have to worry about installments uh, once the fees agreed, something like that. So it's it's close. From what we're hearing, it's probably pretty close. Um, and again, we you know this is a source that uh, or I should say sources we trust very much, and they are all seeming to say things in parallel. So uh, that's where we are with that. The, like I said, the Manola thing, we we understand it probably could be a little bit more of a stretch. There's just a lot of things that are moving in similar directions. And you guys all have to remember, the one person that's at the center of a lot of this is Mino Raiola. And agents have so much sway when it comes to moving their players around. So that's just another reason that we believe that something like this could happen. Plus, don't forget, guys, the the Italian sites have been talking about Napoli's interest in Mari Camara. That didn't come out Some of goddamn words out of my mouth, Adi. I was, I was going to so, lead it up a little bit because, of course, we've got that Raiola link, right? Could right, maybe end exactly. up being a swap deal, especially and, if we bring Kasami in. And that's another yes. midfielder. To, to Like I was saying, Envila, Kasami, and uh, and Grenier would be a really nice 4-3-3 midfield. Um, and then the back, the back of the Greek back line Oh, oh, it's amazing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I don't know how real the Manolas stuff is. It's a classic rumor, right? Like, oh, Manolas coming back best. Like he's the best Greek defender, you know, like obviously it's going to be there, but it actually seems like it might have some traction to it. And I'd love to see it. There's a question from uh, Angelo in the chat. Can I ask where Peter is from? Um, so I am originally from Connecticut in the United States. I'm not Greek uh, in case you're a new listener. Um, I went to the University of Maryland uh, for my undergrad. I met Adi and one of our other hosts, Lambro, there. Uh, fell in love with Greek football, Greek culture, Olympiakos, uh, with them. And ever since then, I've been a big supporter of the club. Uh, I now live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, working on my PhD, um, but probably will not stay there after I finish my degree. At least I hope not. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's your answer. So I'm originally American and live in Canada now. Um, but yeah, Manola, um, I could see the, the camera swap. I think Madi would, uh, do well pretty much anywhere he goes. I think any team, a team as big as Napoli should be interested in him. Um, and I, I mean, I understand Manola is a very valuable player, so maybe it would need to be some cash or something. 
plus Madi or whatever, but Madi is like a big, going to be a decent fee as well. So um, I could very much see that as, as um, a pretty even swap with maybe a bit of cash on one side. Yep. And then the extra cash that maybe we get can pay the rest, whatever the excess is for Manola's salary. I don't know. I, I think that it's still, too, I think that it's still a, you know, a, a, a probable scenario, maybe not, the most probable, but it's something that can happen. At least it's more likely to happen than what Nikola Kopoulos is saying. So anyway, that's, that's just me. But before we close up, Peter, do you want to do some predictions for tomorrow's games? We got a, a nice First slate. I have to look tomorrow's games up, Adi. Um, oh, I, so I see them now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Scotland and Czech Republic. I actually knew that was a fixture because uh, the other group D fixture was today. And then we've got Poland versus Slovakia and Spain versus Sweden. Um, I'm going to go for the Scotland Czech game. I'm going to go, let's go one zero to the Czech Republic. Um, I, I think Czech are probably the better team. I think I picked them second, although I was kind of taking the piss out of England in that entire group. So maybe it's not uh, a real prediction, but anyway, uh, Poland, Slovakia. I really don't know much about the Slovakian team, to be honest. Um, so it's hard to, you know, I, the Poland team, I do know they've obviously got some talented players in that team. <clears throat> maybe I'll go, uh, I'll go two, one to Poland there. And then, uh, Spain, Sweden, <sighs> um, this Spanish team is interesting. Uh, I could see them going far, but I could also see them having a very poor tournament. Um, I'm going to say two to two on that one. Actually, I'm going to say we're going to get a draw between Spain and Sweden. I know Sweden are not completely healthy, but I could just see it. Well, for me, uh, let's see. The uh, I was looking at the some of the Vegas odds, and it looks like so for Czech Republic Scotland, Czech's paying at one ninety five, and uh, Scotland's actually at. Uh, you get the same odds for a Czech win as a draw, and Scotland's at one seventy. So, looking like it's going to be e- slightly even contest there. Uh, I actually, you know what? I'm going to go Scotland. Let's say Scotland gets, it's going to be a boring game and Scotland gets like a free kick, free kick set piece, one, nothing winner. Um, I'm that's, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, then of course we have Poland, Slovakia, um, uh, Slovakia at, at four eighty eight, and Poland at uh minus one thirty two. Hmm. That's, that's, I mean, I'm still going to take Poland for that anyway, one, one way or another. Uh, and then the last, uh, the last one that look, this Spain team does, does not look good. Uh, and the odds, oh my God, uh, Sweden's at 800 and minus 280 for Spain. It's, it's crazy. That is crazy. Spain, no Busquets. We don't know who else has been, uh, uh, hit with, um, uh, coronavirus or COVID, if any of them else have been infected, there's an entire call-up sheet that they have of players for like Spanish U21s and alternates that are ready to to come in. So I'm I'm interested to see how that works out. You know what? Uh, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm I'm gonna have another one here, another flyer. I'm gonna say Sweden, two to one. Oh, Sweden to win. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying to win. There's always one team in every one of these major tournaments that 
is either a big name or comes in with big expectations and just flops. You know, in 2018, it was Germany. Yep. And the Sweden, I believe, uh, or no, maybe maybe Germany beat Sweden, but they were in their group coincidentally. Um, and it, it's always that first game uh, in the World Cup. It was Germany versus Mexico. And it's yep. always that first game when it's like, the world's been put on notice that Spain isn't good anymore. And it's like everyone, like it, it just goes downhill from there. Like I could totally see that. And then Spain finished third and maybe don't get the top four of six or whatever, or just bomb out in the, the round of 16. Like this Spain team has significantly less talent. There are some decent players. Ferran Torres, he's he's a talented youngster. We have to say that. They've obviously it's got the some more players coming up. The goal What's, threat isn't there. The goal well, threat isn't there. Torres is your goal threat. You know, yeah. it's, if you're going to score goals, probably him at the end of them. Like Morata, we yeah. don't know about. Uh, Oyarzabal, I guess, could score some goals as well. Yeah, uh, from Real Sociedad. But like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't see it. I think it's a weakened team in general. Ramos is also not there. Um, so yeah, I'm not super high on Spain either. I think they'll probably, you know, they'll probably advance just the way things are. But like, yeah. don't have big expectations. Um, before we wrap up, a funny comment from Adis P. Just take 15 mil for Camara, splash it on a single player, simply to dethrone Diogo off the top for our most expensive <laughs> signings. <laughs> oh God, absolutely. We could, let's. I mean, new goalkeeper. I I hope we spend some spend some cash on. We're linked with the the you Czech goalkeeper Vachlik. People forget that. So if you're interested in watching him, he should be starting tomorrow. Uh, for we'll Czech be watching Czech Republic. So. I predicted one nil. We we would love a Vachlik clean clean sheet. Um, although, you know, hopefully he, his value doesn't. As I said in the last episode, hopefully his value doesn't go too high that he's out of our price range. Yeah. But uh, should be interesting to watch him. And I feel like that's a pretty concrete rumor. Like he's not the secure number one at Sevilla. He might be looking for a move out to a team where he can play European football and be the guy. So I could definitely see him coming here. But of course, it's just yeah. just words from the Greek press. But Anyway, uh, we're going to wrap it up. We're just about at an hour. Um, thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, I know this was a bit of a weird one and a bit late for European folks as well. Um, oh, Vachlik is free, I'm being told. that So he won't be our record fee, unfortunately. Um, thank you, Adis P. And Fabiano from Ammonia, who we saw play very well uh, in the Champions League qualifiers against us, is is supposedly the top target, is, is what Adis is saying as well. I, I have heard that name. Um, we'll see what happens with that. I, I would take him. I think he's, a, you know, I, I think I would take him. Uh, although we wouldn't, we wouldn't break the record with him. I don't think, but anyway, that's not important. Um, anyway. Yeah. Thank you so much, everybody for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back soon. More euros content, more transfer news, uh, stuff like this probably coming out next midweek. And then, uh, next weekend we have boozing with the boys. We'll be posting more on that on our socials, gate seven, INTL about that. So, um, you know, when, if you want to know where to go to tune in, but we'll let you be a part of the podcast, you can come on and say hi, chat with us for a bit. Um, you know, we might have a lot of people coming in, so it might not be that you get to stay for a long time, but like for a few minutes, you know, you can come in talk about the team, what you want to see this summer should be a lot of fun. We always enjoy these a whole lot. Um, so we hope to see you there, even if it's just in the chat with the comments, but like, you're more than welcome to come in anyway. Um, I think that's about it. Adi, anything else? Yeah, uh, guys, as of right now, the roundtable is rescheduled for two weeks from today, so it'll be the 27th of June. Sorry, guys, we we had some unforeseen technical issues and, of course, some last-minute issues with 
some of the members popped up. I'm juggling like six time zones here yeah. to get everybody in this, in this thing. Easy, you have no folks. idea it's how difficult it is. It's tough enough when we just have one special guest that we have to do, but now I have, I'm juggling like multiple people. So I'm going to get, I'm going to try and get this done. Uh, hopefully these issues won't present themselves again and we'll get this thing going two weeks from now. Uh, we're excited to do it uh, again. Sorry about that. And in the, you still got Peter and I for a little bit today. So, but again, that round table is going to come and boozing with the boys. We hope we see you guys. Uh, you know, StreamYard doesn't let us have quite as many people as we could with Zoom, but you know, we're going to filter everyone time, through one yeah. at a time. As, and if you, as best we can. And if you do, if you, you know, if you were back on the Olympiakos World Forums, the Greek soccer forums, and you're interested in potentially being a part of that round table, um, let Adi know on Twitter or just DM our account, Gate7INTL in general. Uh, and you can potentially be a part of that, uh, especially if you're flexible and, and you know, live in the same time zone as one of us. That makes it easy. <laughs> um, you know, in all seriousness, wherever you live, we would love to have you on. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. And, uh, of course, hopefully we'll have that to you in two weeks. Um, so until then, enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Enjoy the Euros. We'll be back in a few days and we will see you soon. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiakos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiakos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL, Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, he said. Sto mialo kati magiko.